There was something different about his outline. It didn't go in and out like an army blouson, or have trousers tucked into boots, and there was no military cap or beret. The man flexed his arms, took up his case and trudged on. As he came nearer, Daniel saw he was wearing a suit. Apart from that, there was nothing exceptional about him. Average height and build, dark hair with a hint of Celtic curl about it. Is that the deserter? A voice cut across his thoughts, and Daniel turned to see Hunter's bony face next to him, extended from the neck like the muzzle of a pointer, as he manoeuvred himself into the bay window to share the view. No, the deserters have to wear their uniforms. Technically, they're still in the forces. Anyway, the deserter's schedule for today isn't due until later. What's this one doing in civvies, then? Hunter moved away to the long mahogany table in the middle of the room, finding a place to angle his elbows among the files and dirty cups. He must be the civilian from the Manchester Clinic, demobbed in 46. Demobbed? So why is he coming to us? Not sure. I've only skimmed the first page of his notes. Got himself in a spot of trouble in Civvy Street. Chap who did the initial assessment in Manchester thinks it might be army service related. He's ex-Burma campaign. Suggested sending him here. Dumping him here, more like. He's a bit of an experiment, apparently. Aren't they all these days? said Hunter. They're sending us too many like him, if you ask me. Like him? Daniel instantly regretted his words. Why did he always rise to the bait? Thugs who were thugs before the war. They come home, slip back into their old ways, black marketeering or some such. His voice went up an octave in contempt. Get caught, claim a spotless war record, and get off with a caution from some newly appointed socialist magistrate. It's a bloody insult to our real patients. He doesn't sound like a thug. Not from a quick look at his file, anyway. He was annoyed with himself again for bothering to answer, and as Hunter droned on, he went back to watching the man as he stopped at the brick edging of the gravel path. Daniel had a little theory about how the men tackled this demarcation between driveway and path. It was a borderland, their own known territory behind them, and just a little strip of sharp stone no-man's land in front, separating them from what? The unknown? The last resort? The enemy? They all hesitated before they stepped over. It was surprising how the way they dealt with those next few moments gave a clue to how they'd react to their stay in hospital. Some of them would start to shake. Their hands would tremble as they tried to soothe themselves by running their fingers through their hair. Others would square up to the building and march on round to the guardroom. There weren't many of those. A few of them cried, wiping their noses on their sleeves like little boys. This man stood for what seemed like an age, head on one side, studying the building like an architect, then picked his case up again. No tears or trembling, but anxious, cautious, treading lightly on the gravel as if he didn't want to leave any footprints. 
He became dimly aware that Hunter had asked him a question. Sorry? I said, is one of yours, then? Not a question. It was a statement of fact. Yes, I'll take him. You can take the deserter as well, if and when he gets here. I'll read his file, then we can decide. Daniel cursed inwardly as he heard the weak attempt at asserting himself. He was older, with slightly more seniority and more time served at Northfield, but technically they were the same rank. Both majors. A fact Daniel knew was more about him having ground to a halt than about Hunter's rapid rise through the ranks, filling the post-war gaps.